Welcome to Athletes Unfiltered, the podcast made by the athlete for the fans. Now here are your hosts, Adrian Martinez and Jeff Ekstrom. Whether you are washing your car, on the way to work, doing the dishes, it does not matter what you're doing when you listen to podcasts because welcome back to Athletes Unfiltered season number two. That's right, folks. We are back. Fresh new episode, season two, coming your way, spring of 2022. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Ekstrom, and alongside with me, got to change up his title a little bit, former Nebraska quarterback and now Kansas State quarterback, Adrian Martinez. Adrian, it's been a while, my man, but it's good to talk to you. Yeah, um, excited, excited that we're able to keep this going, and uh, a lot of stories to tell, uh, a lot of do- new people to interview and, and hear stories from, so just excited to get going. Yeah, man. I mean, things have changed since we last talked and we're going to get all down to it a little later on, but we want to first kind of tell you why we decided to come back. And I mean, Adrian, about in December, we were prepared to just wrap up a finale episode um, and just put a bow on the podcast as a whole. But then we changed directions and we wanted to tell more. I mean, uh, I think we're going in a new direction that I think will be really, really fun for everyone involved. Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, there's obviously uh, a lot of untold stories with the Nebraska aspect that I'm excited to get into, but moving forward, um, there's a lot of people out there, whether they're in the NFL, former Huskers, um, quarterbacks I know across the country, um, that I think people would love to hear from and have great stories to tell, great insight to give that we're looking to get into, you know, broadening this podcast sort of horizons. Yeah, we want to, like you mentioned, expand horizons, plenty of new stories to tell. We want this to be the number one national sports podcast, your go-to for in-depth conversations, unfiltered conversations. That's what we want here on Athletes Unfiltered. But we have that under our belt. And also, we're on video now. So you'll see us all around, not just our voices anymore, but you'll see our faces. And I mean, that's an exciting aspect too, Adrian. A hundred percent. I think it brings a totally new element to to our podcast and takes us to another level, which is what I'm excited about. They get to see what um, you know, how we tell stories and uh, our guests as well. So that'll be fun, I think, for everyone involved. We have plenty of big plans for upcoming guests. Stay tuned for later announcements. But right now, it's all what you've been waiting for. Let's recap what happened this past fall. Adrian, plenty of things happened, but we left off in one of the most, I guess, landmark games of the Nebraska football season. Let's start at Michigan State. And, I mean, that was a biggie. Obviously, uh, it was mentioned that you broke your jaw during that game in one of the the first drive, to be exact. I mean, kind of – let's – Go through that play from your perspective um, and just what happened. Yeah, well, it was it was third and long, and we had a QB draw play called and uh, running up the middle, and I, I got squared up by a linebacker. And as I was sort of falling, the safety came and knocked me right here. It's just a total sort of freak hit. Freak play, not something that happens very often. You think, you know, how do you break your jaw when you have a football helmet on? And, well, I'll tell you how. You know, it happened to me. It guy got right underneath, and um, it broke over here on this side. So, pretty much, um, you have two I – don't, I don't even know what you want to call them, but they, there's a name. I don't know. It's all right. Um, keep your jaw in place here and this one's like this and this one was like that and it happened and my whole face blew up and i've always been a big advocate for you know hey get up you know if you're hurt get like walk yourself off the field you know kobe (laughs) bryant tore his achilles and he walked off the court like just you know tough stuff but in that moment i mean there was nothing else i could think about but like oh my gosh my face is burning you know, it's it, something was wrong. So get to the sideline. They take me back. They think I have a concussion and it wasn't like a ringing that way. Um, 
but what I sort of discovered, so I had my jaw, I already had like a little bit of an underbite and a crossbite this way. And my jaw then got displaced back and this way. So it was like, it was like this is back in my mouth. And we ran back um, to our locker room and I had to, <laughs> I had to go in and get an x-ray and there was some Michigan state like technician there and I had to fill out paperwork. I'm in my full like gear. And she's like, can you like, you know, write your name? Like, is this actually happening? Like I, we have a game. Like I, I we need to go. This needs to happen fast. Um, she was in no rush, of course. So I fill out this paperwork and they get me on here and I have my pads on and <laughs> they take the pictures and it's like, well, we don't, we can't really see anything. I'm like, oh, that's surprising. Um, <laughs> my shoulder pad was ba- debatably in the way of the x-ray. And I'm like, you know what? Like I need to get back out there. I, I feel like I've been in here for an hour and it turned out to be one possession, I think. Um <laughs> And so I run back out there and they're kind of like, are you, are you good to go? Like, are you feeling okay? And I'm like, honestly, not really, but let's, let's fucking go. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, let's rock, let's make this happen. Um, we have to win this game. So face was all swollen and that game was a crazy one. Um, I know, I don't know what the score was, but it was second half was, was our game. I mean, Defense held held them to like 13 total yards. We had like a seven minute drive um, for the go ahead touchdown, 20 to 13, and we had a special teams collapse. Um, and 2020 overtime through a pick, tough game. And I mean, even tougher when I knew something was was wrong. You know, I, I knew something physically was wrong, and it, I was in a lot of pain. It wasn't fun. I couldn't eat. Um, I didn't eat anything for a day and I was like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Something's up. So I, I get an MRI on Monday, I believe. Um, and I go in there and they're like, yeah, or a cat scan rather. And they're like, yeah, you, you broke your jaw, you know, and you are, you, you can get surgery and you'll be done for the season or, um, the other option was, yeah, I mean, you, we could wire your jaw shut and you, you'll you be able to play like probably the last week of the year. And I was like, wow, um, just like that, you know, um, pretty devastating news. So this was pretty, it's all happening really fast. I get this news and then called up. Um, they're like, hey, there's another option. Um, spoke to some medical professionals with, um, gosh, I can't think of the, the firm, what they're called, the Mayo Clinic, mm, yeah. uh, Mayo Clinic, and some people are at Vanderbilt. Some things that they've done, um, and we came up with a plan. So I go in there that afternoon, um, and instead of getting my jaw wired shut because I, I have to be able to talk, um, and this decision for me had to be made quick. We had a game against Northwestern. Um, it was like, all right, is am I gonna keep playing? I feel like. We're playing well. We have a really good team. This is a good opportunity. Uh, or am I going to be done for the year? And I made that decision with my family. It was definitely a little scary because it's a serious injury in life. Um, you know, after football, uh, still some things that I, I have to be concerned about now. But in that moment, I decided that I, I wanted to keep playing. And we got um, screws put in my mouth. So they're about like that thick. And I got six screws put in my mouth. I had, I had one over, I had one here, one here, and I one here, one here, one here. And they rubber banded my mouth shut um, as a sort of replacement for wiring my jaw shut. Uh, I go to practice the next day and my face is still swollen and, you know, guys couldn't really believe it. And, Say, hey, this is what we're about. You know, this is we're playing for something. Um, I'm playing for something. Let's keep this going. And I remember that first day of practice, I had like this, I had this old lineman face mask on to try and protect me <laughs> because they had a they had a special order another face mask that go a little bit lower to protect my jaw. Um, and 
I didn't eat for, for a couple days. Uh, and eventually that, that next day I, I was on an all liquid diet because I couldn't, I couldn't move my jaw, you know, and it was, it was rubber banded shut and I couldn't open it all the way to, to chew. And I wasn't supposed to chew. Um, the rubber banding was to protect my bite. If I, if I, if I mess with that, you know, it, it, it would have been a bad deal for me, you know. Um, they wanted it to heal the right way as best as it could while playing a very physical game of football. <laughs> so um, get that sort of figured out, if you will. And it's like, all right, let's let's play it by ear. Let's see how this thing goes, you know, and let's avoid quarterback runs if we can. And what's ironic, I think in the first quarter I had three rushing touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I believe you did. So – that was <laughs> debatable. We didn't necessarily follow that uh, routine. I was I was feeling really good though. You know, I I, I felt good enough. Um, I remember there was a quarterback draw or not quarterback draw, quarterback sneak, and I stayed up a little too high, and some guy came and popped me right in the right in the head, and oh, it just burned, burned for fifteen seconds, just straight nothing but nothing but pain, um, and. Eventually went away. We got through it, and, and it, it helps when you're winning, right? You know, yeah. you get that great feeling, and it was a night game. And we're playing great, and it's like, all right, we could do this. Um, but yeah, I went on a bit of a, a tangent there, kind of explaining that first couple, that first week. It was it was tough. It was really really tough. And when I got it, it was it's sort of surgery. I think they define it as like a dental operation. Um, but they had to they numb me with lidocaine in my mouth and crank the screws in my mouth and like kind of pressing down and went right in the gums. So like up here in between your teeth. So like they didn't want to hit on the roots so it wouldn't be too painful, but they, they'd have to get retightened probably every week or so because it kind of start falling out and you'd feel that pain on your tooth. Like my, my teeth separated for a little bit like this, this moved over because there was a screw between the teeth. So it was, um, and on top of that, we decided to keep it a secret, yeah. right? Uh, one for my own safety, um, didn't want teams necessarily knowing that information. Uh, and that also give them some sort of an advantage, uh, and just part of college football, part of strategy. And I was all on board with that, that, that is something that I wanted as well. Um, and I wanted that that news to be broken after the season, you know, once things had settled down, I could, that sort of, uh, experience, if you will, would be shared. Yeah. Cause I, I remember you calling me up and telling me that, I mean, and I guess we should tell everyone that as the reason we stopped mid season, just cause it would not be in the best interest for Adrian to speak when he has a broken yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, and you trying to hide that throughout everyone just trying to keep that on the down low throughout the entire season. Cause I remember people would say, noticing you would just take rubber bands out of your mouth after press conferences and whatnot. I mean, how difficult was that talking afterwards? I mean, what, yeah, how difficult was that? Yeah. Um, well, the whole ruse of, yeah, I would take my rubber bands off before going in for a press conference and, I couldn't smile too much or else the screws would show at the top of my mouth <laughs> and it, it hurt. It, it would physically hurt to like move my face a certain way. So it, it, that kind of helped, I guess, uh, from keeping me from doing that. Um, but it, it was, it was all part of it, you know, and, uh, I was willing to do it for the team and for what we were trying to, trying to accomplish, you know, uh, I felt like it was a necessary sacrifice and, that meant after games, taking the bands out and trying to stay as disciplined with it as possible and keeping it as low key as possible. Not very many people could know about it. Like when I told you, um, I needed to let you know there was a reason why yeah. we we weren't going to continue recording during the season. I kind of wanted to clue you in a little bit on what I was going through. And there were a lot of things like that. And, you know, if you, you could see in the games, you know, the rubber bands like kind of crossed in my mouth um, and you couldn't fit a mouthpiece in there. So it's just me kind of rubber banded shut. And that's the only thing protecting me against, you know, 
breaking it worse. And when did you fully heal from that? So technically it'll, it takes around like five to six months to fuse back together. Um, so that's the, that was the downside to not getting surgery is that it'll never be the same in theory. So even now you see it kind of goes that way. It kind it comes yeah. back. I know that audio is going to sound really weird, but if you watch the video, it'll make a lot more sense. <laughs> um, but it used to be the other way. Mm. It used to be more the other way. Um, and it wouldn't, it would just go straight down. But now that this is still healing, it hasn't really fully locked in. Uh, so it's, it's a process, you know, it's something I'm still working through now. You know, I, I, my diet was something I had to really watch and make sure I was getting enough calories and keeping my weight because I couldn't chew like hard foods. I know one week I, I grinded up my, my steak in a bullet blender and ate it like it was oatmeal. It was probably one of the worst things I've <laughs> ever had in my life. It was terrible. Um, but that's, you know, that was part of it. Yeah. I was, I was about to ask about with your liquid diet, what was the weirdest thing that you didn't think you just put in the liquid to drink. And I guess steak is probably up there. Yeah. I put, and then I started trying to get creative with it. Like I put steak and some olives, like some of those uh, Greek olives in there, you know, maybe for a little flavor. And I yeah. put some Aju sauce. Terrible. Oh, yeah. Didn't make it better at all. It was terrible. Don't recommend to anyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. that'd be so brutal. Uh, man, do you look back on it now and be like, man, it sucked. I mean, it was a hell of an experience. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's all how you look at things, right? You know, you could look at it like, Hey, that really sucked. And we started losing some games and that was a hard time or like that was an experience and a half. I'm proud of myself for going through it and continuing to go through it, you know, and really thrive. So I, I think our team, I know our team stayed really tight and they're really supportive of me through it. And that helped. Um, but even, you know, I didn't even tell guys on the team, you know, what my decision process was or when I was going through that, it was, I wanted to keep it as private as possible. Um, and, and eventually guys kind of found out, um, when they saw me roll up to practice in an O-line face mask, you know, what was going on now, how much does that affect your in-game play as well? Because obviously that's going to be going through your mind with every time you decide to tuck it and run or even you're pressured. So, I mean, how much does that affect your in-game play? Yeah, that, that was part of the decision too because I didn't want to go out there and play if I wasn't going to be confident no. in it and feel like I could do everything that I wanted to do. I mean, I had to play my game and I felt like I, I still did, you know, I, I still made plays running the ball, um, throughout the year, despite that. Um, and you have to re remain fearless. You know, I, I couldn't run scared and, um, you know, certain hits definitely stung more than others, but that's football. And I, I found a way through it. Certainly did. And, we talked about Northwestern quickly. I mean, you guys crushed them. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had a great game plan that game. Um, and the guys came out, fired up, and we hit them early. And we ran the ball really effectively. And um, if I were to say one, one key indicator for us is, you know, if we were able to run the ball well, I, I'd say our offense executed really well. Outside of the Wisconsin game, we, we were able to run it a little bit, but we had more of an aggressive uh, – game plan throwing the ball that game uh but in general i'm sure that's a common theme you can find across all football teams you know regardless of level um but when we were able to run the ball effectively which we were from the jump in that northwestern game i know jacques um yant he had a great game uh i think we had a couple other guys doing really good things and and i was even able to run the ball effectively that game as well and that was able to set up the play action game and uh, really our offense was clicking the way we wanted it to. Um, and that's what we wanted it to look like, you know, for the rest of the games and whether that played out the way we wanted to or not, you know, it didn't all the time. And I mean, you follow that up with Michigan the very next week. I mean, even though it was a loss, I mean, that game must've been fun just to compete in. Cause that was at least from my perspective, the most alive Memorial was since, 
that 2018 opener against Akron. I would 100% agree with you. That that was the most fun I've had in a football game. Uh, the atmosphere was crazy, uh, obviously against a, a really good opponent. And I, I think that showed the type of team we were that year. Um, you, know, you can look at, at any of the games. We fought each game, and we felt like we matched up well enough with anyone to beat them. And we easily could have won that game. I shouldn't say easily, but – we should have. We really should have won that game. And we put ourselves in the position to do it. Our guys came out really strong in the second half, um, played well, momentum was on our side. And, you know, we made a lot of good plays. Um, defense played well. And our offense in the second half really hit its stride and capitalized on some of the, on, on that one turnover, took the lead. And even in the fourth quarter, I believe with six minutes left, we took the lead. Um, and really we're feeling confident in our ability to move it on them. And besides, you know, Michigan State obviously played Michigan really well, um, and then Michigan's eventual loss to Georgia. Um, but we we really we really played them as tough, if not better, than everyone else on their schedule. And I think that says a lot about the type of team we had and the, the talent and uh, play, especially on that night. Uh, I mean, we, we were really playing well. And I mean, take us now, take us through that play. Mm, yeah. Um, just take us through it. Yeah, that that was, I believe it was second down, maybe. Um, it might have been third down. It, it was short, really just trying to get the first down. And I remember saying in the, the post-game press conference, you know, I don't want to make excuses for myself, and I, I won't. You know, and, and that stands true to – Till today, you know, um, got to be better with ball security. And I, I, I believe in that. But I will say not once in my life have have I been stood up complete. Like I just I'm done. The play's done. If you're a football player, you, you keep moving out of safety. It's you're in the box. You know, you have six, six, 300 pound guys all over the place and you keep your your feet moving unless you want to get your knees taken out. You're to be, to be done for really. Um, with that being said, got to hold on to the ball. I mean, I thought the play was done. I remember right after I turned to the ref and said, was the play not dead? Um, and he's like, I don't know why no one blew the whistle. Well, that, that doesn't, that doesn't help me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. At, th- at this point, that doesn't matter. You can't review that type of play. Um, and it, it costs us the game, you know, and in those type of big games, or when you're playing an opponent that's really good, those are the plays that that matter, um, and that's just the reality of it. You know, you can even go to the the AFC Championship game and the the NFL games that are being played in the playoffs right now. Um, you know, it's end of games. All these games are really, really tight. Yeah, and some of those critical plays at the end of the game are are what makes the difference. And for us, that game, that play is what costs us. I mean, you could point to a lot of different things of what could have gone right here. Oh, the defense could have made a stop. Oh, we could have scored here if we didn't get this penalty, whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, got to be able to make those plays. And and I definitely felt responsible for that. Um, in that game, it was really tough. No matter how well I, I felt like I played really, a really strong game, um, made some good throws, made some good running plays, but you know, unfortunately that, that is kind of, I was labeled that game, you know, as, as losing it there. And uh, I can't a hundred percent blame people for doing that. Uh, it's just the reality. And I mean, it shouldn't all go on you. It's again, that play specifically is just such in a gray area, I guess, in mm. terms of what happened. And it kind of boggles my mind a little bit that the ref said, I don't know why it wasn't called dead. Yeah, I can't believe I mean, he, told that to you. he told you that. Yeah, I, I mean, refs are human too, right? Yeah, and you can see it in the NFL. You see it all across college. <laughs> you know, pl- things aren't always called correctly, but that one definitely cost us, and it was a tough one to stomach because we we had it. You know, we really did. And it was close to another overtime game, and I I will say to kind of backtrack a little bit, that Michigan State game could have been 
I mean, a momentum turner for us as far as winning more games. If we, we were able to pull that one out and we definitely should have, uh, I think that would have set a different tone for the rest of our season. And I think it would have for Michigan state too. Um, we were, I mean, I, I don't say this just to say it. We were every bit as good as Michigan state, but we were three and nine or whatever we were. And Michigan state was in the cotton bowl or sugar bowl. And we were the same team. Without a doubt. I mean, that without a doubt. Um, but certain aspects of our game as a football team were lacking, and that's that's part of it, you know, and have to find a way to, to come out with some of those close wins. And Michigan's another example of that, that we were very close to doing and, and weren't able to do. That could have also changed the course of our season. Now, talk about Michigan, too. Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, going to be top two pick coming in the draft. Yeah. What'd you think of him? I mean, he had some good plays in there um, from your perspective on the field. I will say, you know, playing in the big 10, we play so many good uh, D linemen and I've played against chase young. Um, I mean, the guy from Michigan from what, what was his name? Gosh, you got to help me. Help oh, me here. Uh, Rashawn Gary, Rashawn Gary. I mean, there's been countless, uh, the Iowa get Iowa guy, um, Come on. He's on the Bills now. He was going to be a first-rounder. Oh, uh, Espana? Is that his last name? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. So countless guys throughout the years. And I I would say Aiden Hutchinson stands among them. Um, For me, I didn't think he was a world beater. Now he's going to be the first overall pick or second (laughs) overall pick. And, you know, he's obviously a stud. Yeah. and he made his fair share of plays. I, I think that's sort of the mindset you go into when you face a guy like him. Like, hey, he's going to win some plays. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not going to shut him down. He's going to win some plays, and I'm going to have to be ready to. I have to be ready to get the ball out a little bit quicker. Um, that time clock has to go off a little bit quicker. But um, I wouldn't say he stood out a crazy amount because their their team was just really good. So he was a piece. You know, uh, they had a Sam Nickel who's really good, um, a linebacker who played really well, and they fit together really well. Uh, and he was able to make some great plays out of that, in my opinion. Now, he's a freak athletically. Um, I feel like we got the better of him a couple times, and that's just part of football. You know, uh, I think he's a really good player. But for us, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, we're, we're playing this guy. It's like, okay, well, it's another week in the Big Ten there's another edge rusher who's a really good, really good football player. Like, hey, it's it's part of it. Yeah. Well, they went to the college football playoff for a reason. No uh, then you go out to Minnesota and drop one there. But the biggest thing from over in Minneapolis was that it was mentioned throughout that the morning of the game uh, that the just the energy was just not there. Uh, and multiple players said that. And would you concur? Uh, that's kind of what happened. Could you tell the energy wasn't as high? Um, again, it's a morning game on the road up north. It's cold. Was that, that kind of what happened? Yeah. Now? I, I mean, I think that's a personally. I think that's a weak excuse for the result of the game. I don't think you can label the loss um, a, as a direct correlation from the lack of energy in the locker room pregame now could have the energy been better a hundred percent a hundred percent but there we had countless opportunities to win the game that i think are unrelated to the energy in the locker room um now as a leader i feel i felt responsible um for getting that energy right and i think that's on the whole team it's on the program it's on all of us you know um but that wasn't the reason we lost the game you know, we had an opportunity to score on the one yard line. We didn't. We, the first half, we had like three possessions. You know, our first drive was a three and out before we knew it. We were down 14 0, and there was like six minutes left in the second quarter. You know, that is being outplayed, period. Now, is that because of energy or is that, you could, you could call it a lot of different things. You call it energy, you could call it attention to detail, you call it focus, you can call it, you know, being dialed in, whatever you want to call it. But, Energy in the locker room before the game, I don't think that's valid. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, and that's something we, we all took response responsibility for and we got it turned around, but with better energy in the Purdue game, we, we, we lost, you know, that is not the determining factor of, of winning or losing a football game. Um, it is one of the things. And like I was saying, you know, there were a kind of a list of things we had to do better and we were really close, but it wasn't just one thing. And that game is another example of that. You know, it wasn't one thing that wasn't one reason we lost the game. Um, you know, I shoot trying to look back and remember that game. We had a lot of missed opportunities. I had some missed throws, um, an opportunity to pull on the goal line, a couple plays before we got stopped on the one. I think I could have pulled it and ran around the edge and scored. I mean, just little things like that, but that they add up across a game and in the big 10 and Minnesota, they are a lot of disciplined teams who, who don't make a lot of those mistakes and will make you pay for it. And we were definitely, uh, you know, we, we definitely lost by our own sword. You know, we fell on our own sword a lot um, this last year. You guys do Minnesota drop one to Purdue, but I really want to talk about Ohio state because I think, a lot of things happened during that game. Obviously, you guys played them really tough, a team that ultimately won the Rose Bowl. Um, I mean, take us through that game and just how how talented was that Ohio State team? Obviously, Josh, Jackson, Smith, and Jigbo went for 240 yards. They had some guys on defense, too. I mean, how'd that game go? Yeah, I mean, they're Ohio State, right? They're, they're always going to be talented. Um, we knew that going in. But I just like any other game, we were – jacked up and ready to go, you know, I guess jacked up. That's contradicting the, <laughs> the Minnesota game, but um, we were ready to play and we felt confident. And just like some of the other games, we had opportunities to win and our defense played really well. Our offense had some big plays. Like we did honestly for most of the year, we, we did generate a lot of big plays. Um, First time in a while. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we led the country and like, plays a 60 plus yards or, and we were top five and 50 plus yards, something, you know, I know that was a, a, a point of emphasis and we really did hit that mark. Um, but with Ohio state. Yeah. I mean, it was another really close game. We had an opportunity um, towards the end of the game and just weren't able to, to really capitalize there. And, and those things are tough. You know, I don't know if we kicked a field goal or if we tried kicking a field goal and we missed I don't. I can't remember exactly the order of events there, but another tough loss um, to a really talented team. But again, it was another team that we felt we knew we could beat, um, and, and we fell short. There, there is a, an, a quick re- little wrinkle detail I want to throw in just for my timeline. Before that Minnesota game, I actually got a high ankle sprain, mm. like four days before the game from a, from practice where we had a run scheme where we left the three, the three tech unblocked. He was my read and it was a, a low snap that hit my leg. I went down to grab it and the D lineman flew into my legs and took my legs out to like try and jump and get the ball. And I thought it was a lot worse. Thankfully it wasn't high ankle sprain regardless, but I had to make sure I turned around and was ready to play for that Saturday. And that also sort of affected the game plan. I was already sort of spotty on, not personally, but it was sort of like a a mutual thing. Like, Hey, we're going to try and run you less because you have a broken jaw and now you have a high ankle sprain. I was sort of out there a little hobbled, um, and I, I wasn't able to run the ball as effectively. And I think that had a little bit of an impact on on how we were able to play that game. You know, obviously the option was a, a part of our game that we implemented this last year in the offense. And it worked pretty well, in my opinion. Um, but at that point, I was sort of not 100% and not able to run it. So it did affect our game plan a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too, because leading into that week, there was – rumor going around that yeah there was a little bit of a freak out with what happened there um and i mean did was did everyone kind of suspect that you might have been out for the minnesota game 
Because you um, said that you thought it was a lot worse than it actually was. Yeah, I mean, I didn't practice until I think I, I went through the I, I didn't have a full padded practice. I went through Thursday's walkthrough and then Friday was our fast Friday. And it was like every second counted, you know, it had been even better if we could have played a later game, but we had to play a morning game. But active treatment, I mean, we were really grinding to make sure I was going to be able to play. And again, I mean, that it's not an excuse because I chose to play. You know, there was no one forcing me to play. It was my decision to play, and I felt healthy enough to play. But it definitely played a role in my ability to run the ball and in, and in our game plan for me to do so. Now, was there any pushback from Coach Frost or anyone else in terms of saying, hey, you have a broken jaw, and now you have a high ankle sprain, maybe we shouldn't play you? Was there any pushback from that point, or was it – you told them you feel good. All right, we're going to let you go. How, how did that work? No, there, there was no pushback. <laughs> I mean, it was, I, it was I, sort I of not, but yeah, yeah. Um, no pushback, but again, it was my decision. You know, I, the door was open for me to, to not play if that's what I wanted to do. You know, there, there wasn't a, a pressure to keep going on. It was something that I wanted to do. And, um, yeah, I mean, just just how it, it sort of played out. It, it, there was, it was definitely acknowledged, you know, that I was going through some injuries and, and battling through it. But, again, it's it's football. A, a lot of people have injuries and are playing. So, And going now back to the Ohio State game, I lose a close one there. In, did you realize at the time that would be your final home game playing in front of Memorial Stadium? No, I, I really didn't. Um, when people asked about my future, I, I genuinely didn't know. Um, in my mind, ideally, I wanted to um, see what it would look like if I were to give it a shot at the NFL, what my evaluation would be. I think that's what most people go through and sort of um, weigh my options then. And who who could have guessed, you know? pretty crazy and obviously you never think you're i mean it was a year of injuries that i played through and then one that really knocked me out at the end but um i had no idea you know i don't think it would have changed anything you know playing a memorial you know now that i'm not a part of nebraska anymore it seems even more special to me Mm -hmm. you know like it is it really is uh one of the top environments in the country you know, plain and simple. And I was very lucky to play there. So, and and thankful for my time there genuinely. But another piece of news that happened, that was the time during the broadcast, uh, Fox broadcaster, Gus Johnson spilled the beans a little bit about uh, your broken jaw. And uh, now were you told going up to into the press conference? Is that when you were told that it was revealed? Yeah. So, one of our media guys came up to me and was like, Hey, just so you know, like coach Frost just addressed your broken jaw. Um, and it's like out officially now. And I, I was, I was, I was a little shocked, you know, um, obviously we had just lost the game and, um, that wasn't something I was necessarily prepared to talk about and, and had any knowledge, um, was going to be revealed. Uh, so it was definitely a surprise to me, but I, I found out right then. And then seconds later, I was on the podium. Did you have to hold back a little bit? Kind of like, oh, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I've always felt like it was my responsibility to do my best in the media. Um, I felt like I represented a lot of people. And it wasn't the easiest thing to talk about just because I, I felt like I couldn't necessarily do it justice if you will, uh, just given the circumstances, it didn't, um, it didn't necessarily feel right to me. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think it was appropriate to be talked about at that time, given the result of the game and the time frame. Uh, it was something very personal and private to me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be the person just to, to tell it um, because I, I, I couldn't, my, my grandparents didn't even know, you know, like my, my grandma's texting me like, Hey, you have a broken jaw. 
<laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, sorry you had to find out over a fucking broadcast on <laughs> Fox or a, a news conference, press conference, post game. You know, uh, I wanted to be able to to tell that myself, mm-hmm. and I wasn't. Um, and I know that's that's not incredibly unique. Uh, I know other athletes have stories that aren't able to get shared before that they can't, they can't necessarily tell their own narrative. Um, Tom Brady over the past weekend. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic example, you know, people jump in the gun and it's the industry. It's part of it. It, it, it sucks. I do feel like in my situation, it could have been avoided. I wasn't looking for excuses. That's, that's why I I didn't, it wasn't, uh, (laughs) you know, put out there part of the reason. You know, and for me, that was almost like creating an excuse, you know, and I, I didn't want that. But not everything is in your grasp of control, you know, right? And uh, we worked through it. And, you know, there was even bigger news to be shared <laughs> a, a day later. So it sort of got swept under the rug, really. Uh, and for me, that that was also a little um, bothersome, you know, I one thing after another and you know humans <laughs> we can only handle so much at once right and so it was definitely a, a lot to handle at one time yeah i mean obviously yeah during that bye week um bunch of firings on the offensive side of the coaching staff take us through that day from start to finish about how you found out the news um and just the reaction afterwards not just from you but from your team as well yeah, well, we, we found out in a team meeting, and the news pretty much broke a little bit before then. So, and everyone sort of had a had a an idea of what was going on, and it was really tough. Um, yeah, and there was a lot of a lot of uh, hurt people. You know, it wasn't like a kumbaya. You know, like this is what's best for this program. You know, that's not how guys. It's typical, I'm sure, but not how guys react when, you know, for me, like Coach Verdue was my coach for four years, you know, and Greg Austin was Cam Jurgens' coach for four years, and there are embedded relationships there. And I know Coach Frost had close relationships with those guys as well. You know, he was their friend and knew their families and, you know, had a lot of shared experiences with a lot of those guys that – uh he decided to let go and it was tough for everyone. You know, I don't think anyone in there really wanted to hear what was being said. I mean, but that's, that's what happens when you, you lose too many football games and you're in an environment and a, in a program that expects to win. I mean, that's what you signed up for. So it was tough for us. Um, and we, we found a way, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a, a gr- really good dudes in the quarterback room and good dudes on the team. And we really stuck together. And as you saw, I mean, the Wisconsin game is the best defense in the Big Ten, and we lit it up on them offensively. Um, the Iowa game, I, I wasn't playing in. The guys damn near pulled that one out, you know, had a big lead and played great against a team that, was a really good football team, you know? Um, And that's really, really has to be attributed to the players and how we stuck together, fought for each other and had a lot of pride in continuing to play. Um, And yeah, you know, that's, that's what we decided to do. And and part of it was like, Hey, we want to make our our coaches proud. We want to continue to represent this program. And we, and we had a lot to fight for, um, so there was a lot of pride in that. But initially with the firings, it was just a lot to handle. And I think guys processed it in their own ways. And uh, I know for me personally, it was really hard um, because I felt responsible for Verdue being let go. Um, and I'm sure other guys had a lot of that same sentiment. Uh, and that's part of it, you know. Um, that's your position coach. And, and you've been playing for him on the field, you know. Were there any tensions with Coach Frost afterwards? I mean, obviously, maybe some players saw it coming, some didn't. I mean, were there was there a lot of understanding, or was it high tensions for a while? I think no matter 
what program it is, there's going to be high tensions. For some of those reasons I, you know, discussed, just players having really, really close relationships with their coach. And you'll have some guys who also didn't like the coach and, you know, might be happy that they're getting a new coach as well. You know, that that's that's part of it. Um, so, yeah, I think more than anything, guys wanted to understand. And uh, Coach Frost did a good job of, sort of laying out the reasons of, of why the decisions were made. Um, now that doesn't mean people are going to agree with it or be like, Hey, that's awesome. Or like, we love you now, you know, like it's not, it's tough. I mean, he's in a tough position um, having to relay that sort of news to the players, but that's the business. And, you know, some people will understand and some people won't. Uh, and there are definitely high tensions. And I think that's just unavoidable. I, I think when a decision like that's made, it's just inevitable Inevitable for something like that. Did you have an exit meeting at all with Coach Redusco? Um, and if so, what was that conversation like um, with him? No, no exit meeting. It was a pretty abrupt thing. Okay. Um, I don't think anyone really got that type of closure <laughs> um, from that. Uh, but... I did make sure once the season was over, you know, to reach out to Verdue and we, we were able to talk and catch up and, um, you know, he's someone that'll be in my life forever. You know, he's had a tremendous impact on me and uh, that's a relationship that just doesn't go away just because he's no longer my quarterback coach. Now, obviously you already mentioned that at the time you didn't know about what the future would hold for you. But after that, was that kind of a turning point in terms of, maybe thinking about potentially uh, transferring or heading off to the NFL? Without a doubt. At, at that point in time, in all honesty, that was my mindset. You know, I, I was like, hey, I, I want to see what's out there um, as far as my NFL prospect and maybe see if playing somewhere else would be a good option for me um, in trying to get to the NFL because that's, that's my ultimate goal. You know, that is um, my priority, you know, I, and I, and I want to win some football games, you know, and I think those things go hand in hand. So um, at that point in time, obviously there's a little bit of thought that goes into that, but also Wisconsin was a handful, you know, and they were really good. And um, regardless we had to play as well as possible that game in order for anything to be an option, you know? Um, and we did, we did play really well. Uh, I'll go into that game just a little bit. Um, we had a really aggressive plan. Uh, Frost did a really good job of scheming some good things up and, and uh, Steve Cooper as well. He was an offensive analyst. Um, and we were, wanted to be really aggressive. Like, Hey, let's go shoot our guns. You know what I mean? Like we don't have anything to lose. Uh, we feel like we can, we match up really well with these guys and we did it early. I mean, I know first couple plays, we do some deep over routes to Samori and uh, got down the field quick and scored and really, like, Hey, we, we can do this all day, you know? And for the most part we did, I know um, Samori had a big game and Austin played well as well. And kind of a, a turning point in my story, adding another layer to it at the end of the first half, I, Rolling out to the right, I, I throw a ball that ends up being incomplete to Samori uh, towards the sideline, and I fall extended on my shoulder, on my arm. You know, my arm's out and pops, you know, and I, I kind of just feel, you know, I feel it. I'm like, you know, I've, I've had had a torn labrum in high school. I tore this one sophomore year and my third one. So I, I, wow. know, I know what it feels like. And I had that feeling and I was kind of trying to shake it out. And I believe Logan went in the next possession. We had one more possession and towards the end of the half and we ran the ball and go in the locker room. They're like, Hey, you know, how do you feel? Um, what do you think it is? I'm like, I think it's my labrum, you know, and it hurts to throw and like, okay, like, like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I, I want to play. Like, I want to see how it feels, you know? And honestly going in, it was pretty much like almost decided that I wasn't going to play. I wasn't going to play that second half. And I was warming up, throwing, I was throwing. I, it was like, all right, Logan's like, Logan's going to go in and I'm throwing, I'm throwing. And then I get to the sideline. And I'm like, all right, let's, 
like, let's go. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's rock, let's play, let's make it happen. So go in and, you know, was able to finish out that half. I know I threw a pick in the second half and it was <laughs> kind of gearing up to throw a, a deep ball to Omar and my shoulder, I just like my, it just came out all messed up. Just the angle flew out of my hand wrong and it just terrible interception. I was like, geez, you know, but that's, that's what the labrum is. You know, it's a stabilizer. So not having full control over the ball, uh, but was able to play a pretty good second half and almost get the win. I mean, we had drove down down around the twenty, um, the end of the game with a debatable PI call. It was, it was, <laughs> um, but yeah, 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 yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll leave that. We'll leave that for you yeah. to say. But uh, <laughs> we definitely agree. Um, but after that, I had a lot to think about. You know, it was sort of like, okay, what are my next my next steps here? Um, and for me, it was getting surgery as soon as possible so that I could play the next season. And that pretty much pretty much took NFL prospect out of the picture for the next year. Um, you know, I, I sort of thought of it in, in simple simple terms, like, hey, say if I'm a late round guy or an undrafted free agent, I get an opportunity and I'm in a camp and I'm not, my shoulder's not a hundred percent. Am I really able to fully maximize that opportunity? As opposed to say this next year, I'm in the same position and late round undrafted, whatever I go and I'm fully healthy and can maximize that, that opportunity. I felt much stronger about that. So it was, it was really between, transferring or, or staying and playing another year at Nebraska. And for me, I'd sort of been leaning towards leaving. Um, I felt like I needed uh, a new opportunity, a new scenery, a new challenge. Uh, I needed to sort of uh, get away and, and find something new. And that, that was my initial feeling. And uh like, all right, let's let's see how this next couple weeks go, and and I'll sort of feel it out from there. And I mean, it was interesting too. Well, I won't backtrack just for a second. And the preparation that week for Wisconsin, um, mm. obviously with the offensive staff down to bare bones. Um, how weird was that week? I think obviously Coach Frost probably uh, it was a more prominent figure in leading the offense that week, but must have been weird. Yeah, it definitely was. It definitely was. I mean, we were missing a lot of coaches and a lot of GAs had to step up and fill the role of uh, position coaches and, and do their best job. And in all reality, I think we all at that point, we knew we weren't making a bowl game. Um, we we were just playing for each other like, hey, let's let's go. Let's go have fun. Let's, let's go try and have some fun on the practice field, because I mean, like I had sort of alluded to earlier, when you're in a, an environment and you know, on a team, a program that expects to win and you're not winning, you know, there are some actions that have to take place. And it also makes it not a lot of fun. And I mean, we, like I, I signed up for it. We all signed up for it. This isn't a excuse, you know, it's not a, a plea. <laughs> it's just the reality. So for us, we we're like, all right, let's, let's go have fun. And part of that was, hey, Coach Frost saying, Coach Coop, let's be super aggressive. Let's go out there and sling the rock. And I was all for it and felt really comfortable with what we were calling. And we went out and really did a good job, you know. Um, and part of that was probably our sort of our spirit and our mentality going into that game. Like, a, hey, we have nothing to lose. And it it worked for the most part. It almost resulted in a win. I mean, there was a video released after the game of you walking towards the locker room and you're taking a look all around Camp Randall. And it kind of seemed from that video that that might have been it. Um, mm -hmm. and obviously, uh, you talked about it. That definitely was in your mind afterwards about. Yeah, yeah it, it was. Yeah. And, and that video, I, I had Brody Belt, my roommate, who I've lived with for four years uh, under my arm and. I did sort of have that feeling of like, this might be the last time I ever have an end on the helmet. Um, 
and I wanted to relish that moment. I wanted to enjoy it. And, and, uh, you know, unfortunately it was after a loss, but it was also a hard fought game. And I was proud of that. And sort of all those feelings of what I'd been through during that year were coming to a, to a head, you know, it was like <laughs> the jaw, the ankle, the losing, the fumble, the, the, the ups, the downs, um, the narratives swirling about me and my newly injured shoulder um, all sort of came to a head and like, Hey, this might be it for me here. Uh, And I wanted to make sure that I, I took the time to really let that moment sink in. And then, you know, a random security guy came and gave me a hug and was like, Hey, it's an honor to, (laughs) It's an honor to watch you play here one last time. I was like, I appreciate that, yeah. you know. And um, you know, there's been there were a lot of really, really good people who helped me along the way at Nebraska, and all those people sort of came to my mind in that moment. That more so felt like my senior day than my actual senior day did, you know. Yeah. So Iowa week comes by, um, comes and goes. And then season's over. You have time to think. Six days later, you announce you're transferring. What in that six day period was there a certain moment that made your mind clear, saying, I, "I'm going to transfer"? Was there someone that you talked with that kind of convinced you, or what was that like? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there were definitely some things that that transpired that then made me more certain that I wanted to transfer. Um, I had conversations with people that I trusted, uh, you know, whether that was um, people involved with, with scouts um, wanted to understand uh, what the NFL perspective was. Like I said, that, that, that was my goal. You know Um, that is my goal to get to the NFL and, and uh, achieve my dream that way. Uh, and I want to know what was sort of the perspective there on my game, what I needed to improve on. Um, if there was an opinion out there of whether staying in Nebraska or going somewhere else would be better for me. And um, I felt like after hearing some of those things, going somewhere else was the better option. Um, and I think that had more to do with me than it had to do with Nebraska, uh, more about proving myself in a, a new space, um, a different offense. Uh, I could show some of the skills that I have that I wasn't showing in Nebraska. I can work on little things like that um, and less to do with necessarily what we were doing in Nebraska or not doing. Um, and then uh, for me, it just, there was, there was a lot at Nebraska. There were a lot of ups and downs, a lot of emotions tied in. Um, and I felt like it was right for myself and the program to move on, you know, um, it, it was definitely a, a tough decision. I had a lot of conversations with coach Frost and some of my former coaches and, you know, other people in my inner circle, uh, just about their opinions. And, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't easy, but I felt like I, I, I know I made the right decision for me. You know, I played four years. I set the, you know, career yards, um, record, uh, I, I was able to accomplish a lot and, um, coming back for a fifth year just didn't necessarily feel right to me. Uh, and I, I needed something different. Those six days were definitely a lot of, you know, contemplating and weighing some of those options and felt like it was the best move for me. And, just from an outside perspective, it just seemed like the relationship between you and Nebraska just you come to it. I mean, it followed through and there wasn't really anything that you guys got what you wanted from each other. And sometimes it just naturally concludes. And I think mm. that's what happened. Um, and I mean, it's transferring to another school gets rid of the baggage. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a clean start and not anything from the past necessarily weighing you down or um, just give an implication of what might happen the next season or whatnot. It just seemed like the relationship just concluded naturally. Exactly. And that's how I felt, you know, um, 
I had given everything I could to Nebraska. You know, in my mind, I uh, the highs, the lows, endured everything I could and laid it all out there for Nebraska. And I, I will always love Nebraska. I mean, that is my alma mater. <laughs> it is – I mean, I, I love the place. I really do. Um, but coming back for another year, like you said, there's a little bit of baggage there. Um, and that's from the games, from – Coach Frost and I, I mean, there's there's a lot there that I felt like I would benefit from a, a fresh start somewhere else. And I also truly felt that it'd be better for both of us. And that is just uh, that's just business, you know. Um, I know some people are thank God he's gone, you know, <laughs> some fans and some people are like, man, we're gonna we're gonna miss him. Um, and that's part of it too. What was the conversation like with Coach Frost in the meeting that you told him that you decided to transfer? Did he make a big pitch uh, trying to convince you to stay, or how'd that work? Yeah, I mean, he he wanted me to stay, um, as well as you know, like some other guys that decided to to leave, and some of those other guys um, decided to go to the NFL. You know, decided to give it their shot at the draft. Uh, and I, I think that's what a good coach does. He, he wants guys like me, you know, I've been in the program four years and, and really understand how it works, how the big 10 works and, um, our offense and obviously a, a captain on the team. And, uh, we have a, a deep relationship that, that goes a while and he wanted me to stay, but some of the things I've told you, what I told him, you know, and, uh, just like, the news he broke to the team about, you know, firing the coaches, um, you know, he, I think he understood it. I don't think he necessarily liked it, but he is a guy who, who will always love me, you know, and will always be there for me. And, and I'll definitely be the same for him. You know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for what he does. Um, it's a lot. You know, being Nebraska's head football coach is a demanding job and no one will understand the things he goes through except him. And I understand that to an extent being a quarterback at Nebraska and some of the things that I went through. I think it's a very unique experience. Um, and I really I really do respect him for for what he's done there um, and what I believe he will do moving forward. But. Like I said, you know, for me, and it was really hard to me. There's a lot of loyalty and a lot of, um, you know, responsibility, I feel, for Nebraska. And that's what was really holding me down to the place. But, again, I felt like the best decision for me was to go somewhere else. And, uh, ultimately, I think he was able to respect that. And now you're one of us, one of the – now you get to view the program for another perspective. Yeah, no, it's already so oh, interesting. Boy. It's always so interesting. It's, it's, I still see a bunch of stuff on Twitter, even though, which let's get to some lighter stuff. So fucked up. The, the all Nebraska accounts unfollowed me. I guess it's a business. Oh, it's cool. I date Nebraska football, Nebraska Huskers, the university. <laughs> That's so lame. I was, I was like, I was like, come on. Cause I, <laughs> I forgot what I saw and um, I was like, huh, like what's up with that? And then I checked the other ones. I'm like, oh no, it was like just mass unfollow. It's, it's fine. You know, it's all good. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, it, maybe the wounds will heal in 10 years. Yeah. 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 I guess it's just part of it. True fans keep following. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the fans did, but the accounts didn't, you know, no. the verified <laughs> ones didn't. It's all good. <laughs> Well, that is only part one of the journey that you have gone through in this last month, maybe close to two months now. Um, we're going to talk about the transfer portal, but not this episode, unfortunately, for all your listeners. <laughs> yeah. I, come back uh, somehow. Yeah, it's going to be some interesting stuff. I have a few stories, and uh, like we do on this podcast, I'll try and keep it as unfiltered as possible. <laughs> That's right. Unfiltered conversations. Before we go, a couple of uh, house um, in-house reminders. One, 
if you love our podcast so much, go out and vote for us on the Sports Podcast Awards. We are up for Best College Sports Podcast. Adrian and I would be very thankful if you went out and voted for us. Voting is open until March, so go and do it, please. Most definitely. <laughs> please. Uh, and a reminder, if you haven't caught up, make sure to go back. We got 11 episodes full of great content uh, during the season. We recorded in the summer as well. Plenty of great stories uh, from players who are at the University of Nebraska and whatnot and stories that during when Adrian was at Nebraska. And then finally, I want to give a shout out. Both of us want to give a shout out to Ryan Fansler, who was so mm. kind. Yeah. Awesome helmet. Like this helmet. It's so cool. I mean, folks, look at this. Yeah. Logo. This mask is awesome. It's badass. Much appreciated. We'll certainly try and include this as much as we can, but thank you, Ryan, for that. Um, But that's going to wrap things up here for Athletes Unfiltered, episode number one of season two. Adrian, final words before we go. Uh, I just want to thank. the supporters, the fans, the people who stuck with me through the ups and downs um, and take the time to listen to this podcast. I truly do appreciate you, and um, I hope you know how much it means to me. Uh, And we're going to make this even better. This is only going up, like we always say, and uh, I'm looking forward to telling some more great stories uh, about Nebraska, about some of my former teammates, um, and with some new faces as well. Certainly right. It only gets better from here. Make sure to follow our social medias at ATH Unfiltered, at Martinez the QB, and myself at X on Sports. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening and your support. Don't worry, we'll be back soon with plenty of more unfiltered conversations. This is in a press conference. This is Athletes Unfiltered. We'll talk to you soon. Huda Media Production.